Let us get into this year's discussion of Parsha's Matos, Tavshin, Ayin, Aleph. This, uh, the year it's, uh, it's separate, Matos, Masay. Most years are together. This year it is separate, as all these Parshas are, are separate Parshas. So Parshas Matos. As we start the, the, uh, the period of time of Yimei HaMetzarim, we're going to start and end today's year, tonight's year, with um, a thought related to Inyan Adiyoma, the first one relating to the Parsha as well. The Binyan Shlomo, if you look in source number one, Shlomo Vilna. again, we've quoted from this a number of times, within his Tshuva Sefer, Binyan Shlomo, he has a couple of pages at the beginning of Chidushim al Parshios. So there, on Parshas Matos, he has the following entry. Vaydaber Moshe al-Rashi HaMatos. Binyan Shlomo is bothered, or wonders, what is the connection between the beginning of Matos and the end of Pinchas? Is there a substantive connection that we can come up with? Rashi already <coughs> points out somewhat of a connection at the end of last week's parsha. If you remember the end of last week's parsha, the way we have it set up is the last, um, really the first. The first pasuk of Paraglamid is at the end of Parsha's Pinchas. Again, we're not saying that the prakim are made by Jewish sources, but a beginning of a new topic is at the end of Pinchas. Moshe says to B'nai Yisrael everything that Hashem told him to say. And now, Moshe tells uh, the Rashi Amatos to tell B'nai Yisrael. And he goes into the Parsha of the Nidarm. So what is that Pasuk doing there? At the end of Parsha's Pinchas. So Rashi already notes, according to Rabbi Yishmael, to create a hefsik. Up until now was Hashem telling Moshe all about the Karbanos and the Musafin. And next Parsha starts with Moshe's Dibur. So it had to stop and say, So before it gets into, right, without the last Pasuk at Pinchas, we would have thought that Hashem told Moshe, period, and then Moshe forgot about it. And then the beginning of this Parsha is, Moshe tells the Rashi Amatos about the Dharim. It's amazing Havamina. We would have thought that Moshe never, it's every single thing that it says, most things it says, Hashem told Moshe, and then Moshe told B'nai Yisrael. Here, the Brashi says, an amazing Havamina, if it wouldn't have said it, but in the Torah, we would have thought maybe that Moshe didn't say it. Okay, that's why it has to say that extra Pasuk to actually be Mafsik between the end of last week's Parsha and the beginning of this week's Parsha. But if you look in the Binyan Shlomo, Binyan Shlomo has another idea. Says the Binyan Shlomo, isn't it fascinating and interesting that every year Parshas Matos is the beginning of the three weeks, the Yimei HaMetzarim? What is the connection between anything in Matos and the Yimei HaMetzarim? Says the Binyan Shlomo, Nire, line one. This is hinting to what it says in the tour in the beginning of this area of halacha, Tav Kufnon Aleph, the Minag Ashkenaz, the Hayechidim, Misanim, Ibasar Vayayin, Kalayamim, Shmei Yizayim, Betamad, Atishabah. There are Yechidim that fast from meat and wine all three weeks. All the three weeks. That is not the Minag of Chal Yisrael. The Minag of Chal Yisrael is only during the nine days from Rosh Chodesh Av. But there is a Minag of the three weeks. Kadeh Hisavel Al Yerushalayim. Number one, to mourn Yerushalayim. It's a simon of Avelus. Not having meat and wine. Va'od Sha'az Ba'lu'a Karbanus. And the second reason, which is the second reason why we don't have meat during the nine days, is because we remember, just like the Mizbeach was battle from Karbanos, because there was no more Mizbeach, um, soon there was not going to be more Mizbeach. We already have the carbon Tumit that stopped uh, yesterday on Shabbat Sabbat But Va'od Sha'az Ba'lu'a Karbanus. Right, so that's why we don't eat meat. 
The Imkain says the Ben Yishlomo. Now we understand the connection. Yishlomar Kiva Dilamala Salak Mi Parshas Karbanos. Since we just finished the Parsha of Karbanos, Volachain Maschil BaParshas Matos Lerames. That's why he starts right away with Matos to hint to us Dilaachar Hachurba Debatlu Akarbanos Raui the Rashi Amatos the Hainu. We should make Kabbalists. We should make Kabbalists at this time of year. The end of last week's parasha was all about the Karbanos, all the Musafan of every special day, Shabbos, Rosh Chodesh, Yantif, everything. It's all about the Karbanos. We lay in it on every Yantif. So right after that, Parshas Nadarim. What's Parshas Nadarim? Because we're mourning the whole second half of last week's parasha, make Kabbalists. Some of the Rashi Matis, the Tamid Yechachamim, the Ramah quotes, are Makabal not to eat meat and drink wine. Veinu Kashar Nidri Yisra, and this isn't like the bad type of Nidarim, which Chazal generally say it's better never to be no dare. Better than even to be, better Tov Shalot Tidar, Misha Tidar Velot Tekayim, Chazal say. And even though usually that's true, Tekayimu Lanasar Lekayimu, Aval Hacha Adrava Mitzvah Lekayimu, but when it comes in this context, doing things, Zecher to the Mikdash, then Nidarim in this context is fine, as the Pazik says in Tehillim, Nidarai la Shema Shalem, Te Eitzla Kadish Baruchu, Chashiv Ki Ishimu Kenichochim. Fasties to Hashem are, obviously, not just fasting, but with the proper tshuva that goes along with it, are like Karbanas. Dayadea Tainus Libo Nichna Venishbar, through the fast day, our hearts are humbled. Vizechaviv la Kadish Baruchu, Yosemi Kala Karbanas. And this is even more Chaviv to Hashem than all the Karbanas. So that's the hint. The hint is to the Ramaz Minog, and also to expanding the Ramaz Minog. Right after Karbanas, speak to the Rashi Amatas. Zeadavar, Ishki, Darneder, Meknadarim. And this is what we have to do at this time of year. We have to be macabre on ourselves. Not Dafka fast days, but anything, any area where we think that we can improve, where we think that this will be the schus to make the base of Mikdash come any quicker, come any faster, that is what we have to try to do each in our own, in our own way. So that's the Binyan Shlomo starting us off, the connection between last week's parsha and this week's parsha. Two very short thoughts related to the, the, the Dharim, the beginning of the parsha. Then we'll get into some uh, larger ideas. Just two, first two very short thoughts. Probably the most common or most famous two words in the entire world of brisk learning is Chafzagavra. Probably the two most famous words, two most famous distinction. And if you look at source number two from Ipnini Arav, Rav Shachter quotes Rav Salvechik in the name of Rav Chaim Heller. He asked, where is this hinted to? Is this hinted to at all in the Torah? We know Chefzagabra, that Chilak is mentioned at the beginning of Mesechus Nedarim. It says that Chilak. That's the difference between a Shvua and a Neder. A Shvua is on a person, on the Gavra, and a Neder is on the item, on the Chefza. Harezu, I promise to bring this animal. This animal I'm going to bring. That's a Neder. I, I'm sorry, I didn't formulate it properly. This carbon will be brought by me. That's a, that's a, a nether. I will bring, I promise to, so that's more of a lashon of a shvua. So that's what the Gemara at the beginning of the Dharam says. But is that hinted to in the Torah anywhere? So the Rav just said, it's in the name of Chaim Heller, that it's hinted to in this week's parsha. Rabbeinu hiskir pam levair b'shem agon of Chaim Heller. Where is Chefza Gavra in the Torah? Right? Chefza Gavra is in, the, is in Chazal. And it's, we find it in the Rishonim sometime. And for sure in the Achronim. But where is it in the Torah Shabbat Says Rav Chaim Heller. 
Ubier shahamaker humi pasuk azed. This pasuk at the beginning of our parsha, third pasuk, in, second pasuk in the parsha. Ishkiyir der neder lashem ohishava shvua leesar isar al nafsho. What's nafsho? The emphasis is the last phrase. Shvua leesar isar al nafsho. A shvua is on the nefesh. A shvua is on the gavra. And nether is in the first half of the Pasuk, it's something else. It's two phrases. He's assuming that lesser Yisrael Nafsho is only going on the second half. So Rav Chaim Heller said maybe that's a hint to this idea of Chetzagav. One idea. Good. Second idea is a story. So in the Yagdal Torah, Relating to Nadarim, you can say this really any, any Shabbos that you want, but it relates to Nadarim. The story is told of a student of Rabbi Kiva Eger. Student of Rabbi Kiva Eger. Rabbi Yamin Abezin Haradana, Haitamidah Shagon Rabbi Kiva Eger. Right, the father of the Maral Diskin, was a great rabbi in Yerushalayim, was a Talmud of Rabbi Kiva Eger. His Damin Agorim Kiva Eger, based Talmidah. One time, Rabbi Kiva Eger came to his Talmud's house. He told him that's a major problem. He has a major problem in town. And he doesn't know what to do about it. What's the problem? There was an Avrech, there was a young, young man who was very inspired to learn, and he was maybe just getting into the learning, and he went into the base Medrash, and he made a Shvua that he will never leave the base Medrash until he knows all of Shas. That was the Shvua that he made. Unbelievable. Right, not the smartest of, of oaths to take. Right, yes, he wants to all the shots. Obviously, we all want to all the shots. We shouldn't make, we shouldn't make shvuas like that. It's kind of risky. So he made a shvua that he's not leaving till he knows all the shots. Of shvuos v'chadashim, weeks went by, months went by, and this guy is under base medrash arrest. Right, he doesn't go out. Right, he can't go out. And his family comes to me, says the Talmud of Eger. Find something to do. Find some, somebody to help us. They, they can't, he's not, obviously not only is he not learning all of Shas yet, but he has, he has to make a living. He has to support a family. So I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Nisisi, line 6. I've tried to find any way out of the Shvua. Finding Charata, does he feel bad? Would he have done this if he would have known? I try and all the answers he says, I knew it was going to be hard. I knew it was going to be difficult. I knew it would be a long time. I did it anyway. So I'm fine. I'm, I'm finding it difficult. <laughs> I don't know what to do. So, Garner B'Kiva Eger, him Sas, B'Kiva Eger, who is known as always trying to tremendous midos and always trying to make the other person feel good and feel and feel uh, not embarrassed and always get them out of their problems. All of a sudden, when he saw the great gathering, they heard Rukiv Eger came to town. So all of a sudden, the house, or the whole town started coming close to the house and there was a whole crowd. He says to his Talmud, no, let's go to the base mattress. Let's go see this Talmud. Nobody knew. Nobody knew why he was going there. But all of a sudden, the whole entourage, Rabbi Kiva Eger and this Talmud, who must have been the rough of the town, and the whole entourage, hundreds of people started walking to the base Medrash. And all of a sudden, the Avrech, who obviously wasn't learning every second because he was on Shpokas to get out, all of a sudden, the Avrech sees Hundreds of people, and he sees the Gadol Adar. Right? Even though those days, 200 years ago, they knew what the Gadol Adar looked like. They didn't have uh, photographs, but they they, uh, they knew. 
It's Tarad Moosa. This guy is sitting in the base Nedush and he feels terrible. He, the God of is there and he can't go out to greet him. You have to wait in the base Nedush until he comes in. It's terrible. Imagine, imagine Rav Yashiv walks into a base Medrash and some kid in the back is sitting there. He's like, I'll, wait for the, I'll wait for him to come to me to say hello. I'm not going to run to him. What are you talking about? The post got door. So he wanted to run to him and he couldn't. He couldn't go out. <laughs> Finally, Kiv Eger comes in to the base Medrash. Give game for Omar. Malus kvot taraso boy lie. Kiv Eger goes straight to him. So he says, you came to me? You want to see me? Omar Kiv Eger is using his godless in order to free this man, as you'll see. Every rabbi in the town came to see me, except for you. What's wrong with you? I didn't know. I thought it must be something must be wrong. So that's why I came to you. And the Avrech said, Oh, look, I have my shvuah. I would have known that you were Kivega to come. Kivega says, Oh, I got you. What happened? He says, if I would have known that Rukhivega would have come to me, he would never have made the Shavuah. Kivager uses his unbelievable um, ideas and creativity to try to get, get him out of the Shavuah. Sometimes the greatest humble people have to use their greatness in order to help people and to make sure that they uh, they are taken care of. I think we've quoted in the past a number of years ago. Rav Shlomo Zalman, obviously we know, was always was always one who was against titles, who was against against everything. Against uh, you know, he 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 wasn't even mastic that they generally that they were talking about him. I told us in in Chikomamtak, and they tell the story that every time, not not once, twice, many times, whenever he was at a wedding, whenever he was at a simcha, and they were about to introduce him. So the person who was introducing says, I want to introduce Posek Ador, Gohan Atzim, the faith, the one who shines, all of Klai is relying on him. And if Shlomo Zalman is just sitting there, he's not mind, minding his own business, he, maybe he's still uh, looking around, he's wondering who this person is going to be, and then they say, and, they say, and it says there that many, many times his face started turning red, his, his face got contorted, he was so upset. But he didn't get upset until they said his name. Why? Because Imam thought that they weren't talking about him. They're talking about somebody else, some other posikador from, from that, that his light shines from the whole world from Yerushalayim. That was Rishlomo Zalman. But there's one story in there that Rishlomo Zalman was once talking to a, a child with special needs who needed to get into a certain school. And the child said, I don't know, it's hard to get into, I'm not sure. And it was a friend of the Rishlomo Zalman's family. So Rishlomo Zalman says, uh, tell, he, gives him a, he gives him a note with, signed by his name and he says, tell them that the posek that that you know, the posek Kadar, the great one, the great posek who gets shilas from all over the world, and he says that he should get in. So the story is emphasized that Rishlomo Zalman never would use this, but he's trying to make the boy feel good. He's trying to make the boy realize that he's a, he's he's a great person. I've got the rest of the details of the story. Just hit me now. But that is similar to here. Rabbi Eger uses his uses his godless in order to help this 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 man who is. Who is uh, stuck in the base medrash for all of these months? Okay, let's get back to some of the psukim from this week's parsha. Parsha's matos. Here we go. So we have the beginning, as we said, we just spoke about nedarim for a little bit, but right after nedarim, we get back to the fortieth year, as the entire rest of the Torah is dealing with the fortieth year. Aaron has died, Miriam has died, and we have two more parshas in Bamidbar. Sefer Dvarim is one long conversation between Moshe Rabbeinu and Klai Yisrael. <coughs> so we have a couple of other stories here at the end of Matos Masay 
that happened in the 40th year. So, Perak Lamad Aleph, by Shani. By Dab Rashem HaMosh Hashem says to Moshe, Nikom, Nikmas, B'nei Yisrael, Me'esa Midyanim. Take revenge from the Midyanim. Take B'nei Yisrael's revenge from the Midyanim. Achar te'asef alamecha. And after this, you will be gathered to your people. Moshe, this will be one of your last things that you're going to do. Right? Take revenge. Moshe turns around and says, Get men to fight. To take Nikmat Hashem. Right? Right away, Moshe gets the, gets the tzivui and tells B'nai Yisrael. Many of the Mepharshim point out, and we're going to read it from the Klayakar in a minute. I, we might have quoted this Klayakar in a different parsha. I didn't have it written down. We definitely did not quote it last year on Pasha's Matos. But it's one to remember. First question. Why did Hashem command Moshe, Nikom Nikmas B'nai Yisrael, take B'nai Yisrael's revenge, Midyanim, while Moshe turns around to B'nai Yisrael and says, Whose Nikam is it? Is it Nikmas B'nai Yisrael or is it Nikmas Hashem? Which one? Question number one. Question number two. Now let's get into the Klayoka. Source number four. First question. Second question. What does Rashi say? Let's read the Rashi. Even though Moshe heard that his life was going to be over right after he gave this command, right? He says, He still did it besimcha. How, asked the Klayakar, did Rashi know that he did it besimcha? He did it! Who says he did it besimcha? Is there a word in the, in the Pasik that, that tips us off that he did it besimcha? Maybe he was sad. Maybe he was very upset, but he said it anyway, because he was, sometimes we do things even though we don't want to, because this is what Hashem wants us to do. We're not always in the mood to, to get up in the morning to go, to go daven, but we do it anyway, because that's what a Jew does. And so here too, how, do we, how does Rashi know that he was happy? Maybe he was upset and he did it anyway. Right, anybody else were questioning? He would do a period. Number two. And thirdly, what Rashi says, right, what did the Pasuk say? Pasuk hey. The thousands of Jews were given over. Vayimasru. What's the emphasis of Vayimasru? Lahodiacha shivchan shalroa Yisrael to teach us the greatness of the leaders of the Jews. Kamehim chaviven al Yisrael. Ad shaloshama bivisaso. Before they heard what Moshe was worried about, that he would get stoned. Omarus galuni. And now they heard that Moshe is going to be going to die after this. karchan. They didn't want to do it. They didn't want to do it. Moshe was ready, but they didn't want to do it. So again, says the Klayakar, What exactly was their intent in this, in this action? So one answer that we've given in the past to answer this question, at least question number one, about Nokom Nikmas B'nai Yisrael versus Nikmas Hashem, is that Hashem always worries about B'nai Yisrael, and B'nai Yisrael always worry about Hashem. And not just worry, Hashem always takes pride in His people, and his people take pride in him, capital H. Right, it all starts with the Gemara in the first parak in Brachas, where it says, what is written in Hashem's tefillin, and what is written in B'nai Yisrael's tefillin. In our tefillin, Hashem alokinu Hashem echad. In Hashem's tefillin, kaviyacho, mika'amcha Yisrael, goyachad ba'aretz. Right, we each praise each other. One example. Other example, Rabbi Levi Yisrael likes to say, we call Pesach, Pesach, we call, we call the yantif that occurs in Chag Ha'aviv, we call that Pesach. 
Even though the Torah, Pesach is Erev Pesach. In the Torah, it's called Chagamatzos. Why? What's the difference? Pesach reflects Hashem's greatness. Hashem was Poseach and jumped over us and saved us by Makas Machorah. So we call it Pesach because it talks about Hashem. Matzah is about the Jews going out very quickly. Hashem calls it Matzah and we call it Pesach. So you have it by the first case of of, of you have Pesach and you have the Tillin, and you have Pesach and Matzah. You even have it, some Farsha point out, that if in Tarsheh Bechsav, in Parshas Emar, we have first, Ulakachtem Lachem by Yom Arishon, Priyetzadah Kabosaram, we have the Dalaminim, and only after that we have Basukas Teshu Shivas Yamim, the Mitzvah Sukkah. While in Tarsheh Balpeh, in Mishnayis, the first two Prakim of Mesecha Sukkah are about the Sukkah. The first parak is about the structure of the sukkah. The second parak is about yeshiva basukkah. And only after that, the third and the fourth parak were about the dalaminim. Why the switch of the order? So again, the Bali Musa explained. The dalaminim is about B'nai Yisrael's greatness that we're jumping to do mitzvahs. The sukkah is about Hashem protecting us under the Akavit, sukkah spamish. But either way, it's about Hashem's protection. So we put sukkah first in Torah Shabbat Peh. Hashem is dalaminim first in Torah Shabbat Peh. Okay, three, three examples. But so too here. Maybe that's the answer here. I think we might have mentioned this in the past. Here's, here, Hashem says, Hashem, and Moshe says, Hashem. Okay, good. That's one answer. There's another answer, though. That's the, what the Klei Yukra says here. Ubir Hadavar, line 7. Shahamidyanim shtayim raos asu. The Midyanim did two evils against us. Achas v'ashamayim ki hechtiu es Yisrael b'avodazar b'znus. Number one, the Midyanim did two terrible things to us. They caused us to sin with Avodazara and Znus. The Ach, and that's against Lashem. They caused us to sin, and that's something that Hashem hates. Biachas li Yisrael. And they caused Jews to sin. Ki pilu beitzasam chavtal adal pi Yisrael. He caused 24,000 Jews to die. The Omer, so there's two things that they have to be punished for. They have to be punished for killing Jews. They have to be punished for causing Jews to sin, which is ultimately a stain to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Hashem says to Moshe, get the Nekama of B'nai Yisrael. Why? Because what they did to me, I can be Mochelan. Hashem is always Mochelan, a lot of things. But they killed these Jews? He says, that I can't be Mochelan. And you know what? That's, that's for you. That's not up to me. V'kasher shama, and that's why Hashem says nekom nikmas b'nei Yisrael, because Hashem is more. It's similar to the first answer, but it's a separate idea that there are two evils that happened here, and Hashem says I can be mochel on mine, but I can't be mochel on the other. V'kasher shama Moshe, shama lo Hashem acharti asefa lamecha. But once Moshe hears that he's going to die after this, v'kfar yada Moshe rovchibas Yisrael amanigam. Moshe knows that they love him and they're not going to want to do it if he says to them nikom nikmas b'nei yisrael because what would they say hey hashem was mochel will also be mochel and we won't do it and moshe you won't have to die that's why moshe switches it to try to go to trick them to do it because he wants to follow the tv hashem beautiful line 13. If the Jews find out that this war is totally, and my death is dependent on it, so 
So too will be mochel, lanu, v'lonavakish akama kokach meira. Hashem's not asking to come, so we won't ask so quickly. We'll wait for uh, a number of years. Umoshe, line 16, says the Klayakar, so now you know. Moshe could have just told them what Hashem told him to do. And then if he would have been sad and upset and just following orders, that's what he would have done. And you know what? He would have been refused. And it wouldn't have been his fault because they would have said, hey, Hashem is mochel, we're mochel too. The fact that he switched it around means that he really wants this to be accomplished. Because Moshe was so happy to always do Dvar Hashem immediately, he was Mishana and he said, Nikmas Hashem, as if to say, Hashem has not been Mochel. You've got to do it for God if you're not doing it for yourself. will feel if Hashem's asking to come, you can't, you can't delay that. So therefore, they would have, they would, they're mochrach. And that's why it says, they, they were forced to be given over. Why? Because Moshe told them, Nikmas Hashem. That's how you know you did it Simcha. That's how you know, that's what it means that they were forced to do by Yimasru. And it, it turns that third, last Rashi and Basake on its head. Because Pashas, what does that mean by Yimasru? They didn't want to go because they knew Moshe's death was totally on it. And therefore, they had to be forced to go. This is a little different. They didn't want to go, but they knew that they had to go because it was Hashem's Nakam. And it wasn't, wasn't just Moshe's Nakam. Nakom, Nikmas, B'nai Yisrael. Three questions and the answer given by the, by the Klayah. Okay, now we have a very special idea. Pasik Paraklam and Aleph Pasik Tezayin. Yeah, Tezayin. What does the Pasik say? So, what happened? They went out to fight Midian, and Moshe says, What happened? Moshe says, Call the Keva. Moshe says to them, You let the women live? These women were the ones who were part of Bilam's plot. Limsar Ma'al Bashem Al Davar Pa'or to help convince Bnei Yisrael to go to dis- be distance from God. How did you let the women live? They were part of the plan of Bilam to seduce the Jews in order to commit about Azar and Gilearias. How did you let them live? That's the Pasik. That's the Pasik. So Rechama Leibowitz in her in her commentary, it's an amazing Ha'ara. Amazing Ha'ara. And that is, this is the first place in the Torah where we know that Bilam was behind the problem by Baal Pa'or. Right? It's the first place. Right? He says, Limsar Mabash Baal Pa'or. If you look back at the end of, the end of Parsha's Balak, the end of Balak, so what, is, what does it say there? What does the Pazak say all the way at the end? The beginning of the Pincha story is at the end of Balak. So what does it say at the end? Parachafei vayeshav yisrael b'shitim vayochalam l'znosel b'nos moav b'ezor and shitim v'takranalam l'zitchei loehem vayochalam vayishtachulehem vayitzamed yisrael abal paor vayicharav Hashem b'yisrael Hashem got angry Moshe take them out and hang them and here goish b'nashim v'spodim abal paor and kill them until Pinchas got up and finally took the law into his own hands and stopped the terrible chil Hashem that was taking place. Not a word is mentioned. Okay, the juxtaposition. It's right after the whole story of Bilam and Balak, and right after that is Baal Pa'or. But in the, and that's what Rashi picks up on. Rashi says, the beginning of of Perachafei Pasak Aleph, Rashi says, Al Atas Bilam, Like it says in Sanhedrin. 
But if you look in the Torah Shebech Sa'av, not a word. It's not mentioned that Bilam was behind this tragedy and the sin which led to the tragedy until right here. Perak Lamed Aleph, Pasuk Tezayin. Why is it delayed? Why the Torah delay? Before answering that question, Nechama Leibowitz points out to two other examples in the Torah where the Torah leaves out, seemingly in the Tanakh, where the Torah leaves out a crucial detail that we didn't know until later on in the story. Oh, and, and because there was a conversation going on, it just it just came out. Like here, Moshe's telling to them, how'd you leave the women? They, they were the part of the... Why didn't it say originally that Bilam, Bilam sent them? Another example. Chamelebutz writes in source number five, in A, on the left side, we know by Yaakov and Lavan. Yaakov and Lavan, Perak Laman Aleph, when, when uh, Lavan is chasing after him and finally catches up to him, Yaakov starts screaming at him after he doesn't find the him, And he says there, you tricked me a hundred times. Every day, this was my, <laughs> this was my uh, money and this was our deal and you tricked me so many times. We, don't, we know Lavan was a trickster. But we don't know that detail until later. In the story of Yaakov and Lavan, the former only details the conditions under which he worked and refers to Lavan's exploitations of his devotion at the very end. During the whole time that Yaakov worked for Lavan, the narrative makes no mention of the conditions under which Yaakov worked and how Lavan changed his wages ten times. Only when he left Padan Aram and Lavan catches up to him are we treated to a graphic description of those conditions in Yaakov's outburst of righteous indignation. So again, why? Why, during the story, didn't it say that Lavan ripped off Yaakov and every day he changed, the, he changed the deal? A second time where the Torah waits to give a detail of a story which Lachorah should have been given during the time. And finally, one other example from Tanakh, from Shmuel Aleph. The end of Shmuel Aleph, we know the story, the whole second half of Shmuel Aleph is David HaMelech running away from Shaul. Shaul is trying to kill him. The whole second half, Shaul seems to be in a, uh, has a, a Ruach Acheres Imo. And finally, towards the end, when he really doesn't know whether he should go fight a war or not, he goes to one of the witches. One of the witches that he tries to bring Shmuel back up from the dead, as we know, of Eindor, the witch of Eindor, he brings him up. And there, only at that point in the story do we know this was one of the witches that he didn't, was not successful in killing even though he wiped out all the rest of the witches. And again, we don't know that detail that he wiped out all the rest of the witches until this moment when he goes to a witch. So why is it? So it says that the Chamaleb was to, to take a, a phrase from the Gemara, the Torah the, in Tanakh in various times is It's poor in one place and rich in another place. Meaning you've got to read it in, in the totality. But why is it? Says Nechama Leibowitz, it's to emphasize certain details to have a greater impression upon us. Certain details we only feel later being left out earlier. Let's read it. But why did the Torah omit details in one context and only to put them in the later one? The explanation of the two examples quoted we quote above is not hard to discover. The narrative is silent so long as Jacob himself was silent and controlled his indignation all the time he worked for Lavan. But after 20 years of exploitation, Jacob gave vent to all that he kept within during that time. Had these details been coldly reported to us in their strict chronological order, would they have touched the deepest chords of our feelings in the same way? When we're reading the story, and all of a sudden, and we have to get into it, we have to read it, just 
Just yesterday, I was reading Parshas um, Vayigash Vayechi with uh, with my daughter. We didn't get to, up to those parshas in in um, in in, uh, in school this year. So I was reading them, and if you really get into the story. It's really, you know, how many times have we read those psukim? By I mean, those are some of the most emotional psukim. When but you really, it's so emotional. You start crying, you start tearing. You you feel for the personalities. Same thing here. When Yaakov is screaming at Lavan, enough already! I can't believe he did this to me. And then he mentions that Lavan ripped it off. Then we think, really, that's what he did? That's terrible! What a charlatan! What a quack! Dafka said then. It makes us feel it. it. Makes us feel what Yaakov was like. That's why he's left there. It's not just he's screaming at him now. We already know he ripped him off. No, Dafka here. Similarly, he says in the case of Shaul Hamelach, had we known much earlier that he tried to wipe out the witches, okay, we would have known. Oh, it's terrible. He's going to find a witch. But if the Navi left it silent until now, only when Shaul is struggling to find a witch because he has wiped out all the other ones. That makes it all the more ironic and all the more sinful. It was only when Shaul himself has to go and consult one of them that the point is driven home how low he had been brought and how deeply he had been humiliated. That's why the Torah leaves out certain details and only tells us them later on. So what about here? This explains Lovin and Yaakov. This explains Shaul. What about here? So it says Nechama Leibowitz. Maybe it's left out not only for the reason later on in this week's parsha, but it's left out to teach us that no matter who causes a person to sin, ultimately the sinner bears responsibility. Yes, the machti and the mesis will be brought to justice by Hakadosh Baruch Hu, but ultimately it's the chote, bnei Yisrael are at fault. The end of Balak, not a word about Bilam. Why? Because they're responsible. And they paid for it. And they were punished for it. Though it was Balaam, line 27. Though it was Balaam who instigated the daughters of Midian to strike a blow at the purity of Jewish family life. Though he was the evil genius who thought out the plan. The moral responsibility ultimately rested on the Israelites themselves. They were guilty. As Chazal say, Dibri Arab, Dibri Atam, Dibri Mishomen. Man's first loyalty is to the moral law to God. That does not imply that the provoker to immorality, the misleader, is free from responsibility. So we know here he caused it, and we know later on this Bilam ben Ba'ar Right? He was killed. He was killed in war because of it. He will get his just. But in terms of the chote, why does it leave it out? Because now we realize in in uh, Balak and Pinchas, Klal Yisrael did something terrible. Not just Bilam caused them to do something terrible. Klal Yisrael did something terrible. Okay, moving right along. Let's get into a short halachic discussion. Important machlokas that we should be aware of. Basic argument. Basic machlokas that we have to be aware of. Perak Laman Aleph, Pasach of Gimel. V'yomar Elazar HaKohen, Pasach of Aleph, Elan Shiyatzava. Elazar HaKohen says to the army that got back from Midian, Zos Torah, these are laws. And he goes through laws of kashering. All the halachas of kashrus. This is a great part to talk about kashrus. The six types of metals that are in the Torah, all these metals, these are how you kasher them. By the way, Derek Agav, it's a big discussion in the post game. What about aluminum? Right? Does aluminum have the status of metal? Because after all, Hashem wrote the Torah and he knew if there's something called aluminum, alum, and it's not in the Torah. So does that mean, ah, chas right? Hashem is not 
is not uh, doesn't know everything. That's We don't believe that. We believe that aluminum is either not in the same category or it's included in one of the other six categories of metals. These are the six categories of metals. Where Moshe discusses that question in the shuva that he has about konim and airplanes, uh, where they're ki- taking uh, aronos to to be buried in Eretz Yisrael. Right? So in that context, where Moshe talks about these six metals, says so says Elazar, these six metals you have to kasher. Anything that was used in hot was bolea from hot, so you have to kasher it with a with a fire. Vitaher but you also have to bemeinida. Uh, you have to. Uh, be uh, put it in into water. And if it wasn't used in hot, you could just kasher uh, it with with water. What does that phrase mean? So Pasha's Rashi says that means from Tumas Mace. Here it's telling you how to be how to kasher it and how to be metaher it. That's the Pashtus of the Pasik. But Rashi says right here, and this is the uh, we're just going to make note of this machlokas that we should be aware of. Machlokas between Rashi and the Ramban. Rashi says right here, for Rabbeinu Sein, Rabbo Seinu Darshu Mikan, Sha'af Lahachshir and Minha Isser, Hit Inan Tvilo Lekle Matras. Ume Nida Haksubin Kan, Darshu Mayim Haruuyim Litvobahem Nida, the Kamahem Arbaim Sa'a. Says Rashi, the mitzvah of Tvilas Kalim. Tvilas Kalim, we know that to be being Tovel a Kli, any Kli that was made by a non Jew has to be Toveled in a mikvah in order to be, give it kedusha, give it um, sanctity, just like a ger. Just like a ger has to go into a mikvah, so to a cleave that was owned by a guy, that was uh, that was made by a guy, has to go into a mikvah when you when you buy it or when you get it as a present. This is different than hagala. Hagala that this trafe inside, you have to kasher it. Tevil is even by a new cleave. You have a new metal cleave. You have a new uh, glass cleave. Glass is abundant, but metal or glass or any of these. Um, uh, materials, not wood, not plant, not the ones that aren't subject, or not cheres, but when it comes to metal, when it comes for sure, right, like it says right here, tevilas kalim. So Rashi seems to say that this is a mitzvah de oraisa. By the way, to we make a bracha on tevilas kalim and on hagalas kalim. If you have to kasher a fork, you don't make a bracha before you drop it into the pot. By tevila you do, because you don't make a bracha by, for a mitzvah that just removes something negative. Hagal is just removing a negative. Like my machronim is just removing a negative, and that's why there's no bracha on my machronim. Mashiachin, if something is hosafas kedusha, so then you make a bracha, and that's the bracha on tefilas kalim that we have, even though there's no bracha on agal. Okay, but that's Rashi. Tefilas kalim is da'oraisa based on this pasuk, says the Ramban. Source number six, second half. The first half is also important, but not for now. The libi maharher ozlomar shahatfila hazu mi div rehem. The Rabban holds all of Tvilas Kalim is the Rabbanan. For Hamikra, not just Tvilas Zechuchis, Tvila of, of glass is for sure the Rabbanan, because that's not in the Torah. So, but it's the Rabbanan. Right? You have to tell it's the Rabbanan. The Rabban says all of Tvilas Rabbanan. This Pasik is an Asmachta, but it's not that it's supposed to talk about Tara. For Hamikra, Asmachta, Asuosa, Bechain, Unkulis, Matargim, Oso, Bechiti, Hazashal, Efer, Paro. Unkulis does not say anything here about putting it into a mikvah. What does Vitahar mean in the main Nida? It means Paradume ashes. Vitzrichu osa chachamim bichli hamatras bilvad. Chachamim required by metal, not by wood, not by cheres. Bebeshish blam kalim shetashmishan baor ubikli rishon ubikli sheni betzoni. Because there's such common kalim, vizet sarach so 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 commonly used vizet sarach talmud. Right. This is this is what I think. So the machlokas between Rashi and the Ramban. 
about Tfilas Kalim, whether it's Daraisa Durabana. Okay, it poor Nafkaminis. Just once we're talking about Tfilas Kalim, uh, this is the partial to talk about it, to show you the power and the creativity of a posek. Rav Moshe, in source number seven. Amazing tshuva. Says Rav Moshe, Bidvar HaKankanim Batslochios, somebody has a bottle, Sheyesh Lo Machmas, Shalokach Minach Riesh, Veshar Mashkin, because you bought a barrel, bottle of schnapps, bought any other liquid, what we would call today a Snapple bottle, not a plastic one, a glass Snapple bottle. V'chenkli coffee im tzrichen tefillah. I have a Snapple bottle. Do I have to tovel it? Well, obviously, it's full when you buy it. Let's say you want to reuse it. You want to reuse it after it's empty. You want to pour, pour, water, you want to pour, pour water into the Snapple bottle. Are you allowed to do that without toveling it? That's where Moshe's shot. So Pasha's, what would you say? Well, what would make sense? This was a clea that was made by a guy. So the first time, it's full. So what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to just pour it out. So some postman would say, yeah, you can't even use it the first time. you got to pour it out. You can never drink directly from a bottle. Not al-derech eretz, but al-talacha. You're using the, using it. But other postman might say, no, that's the first time it's full. That's not called using it. That's just emptying it. But what about the second time? For sure. Says Ramosha. Even the second time, Ramosha says, it does not need tefillah. Why? What's my reason? The kli is batel. It's totally secondary to the liquid. We quote line What did you buy from the from the grocery? You bought you bought a snapple and for for ninety five cents and a bottle for five cents. No, you bought snapple for a dollar, and the bottle just came with it. But it's Batel, that's just the container. Barak Eitzel HaYisrael Nasekli. When you decide to keep it and now to use it as a Kli, that's called Asiya Biyad Yisrael. Amazing. Shalek Alzeh Din Tefillah. What's Tefillah? If a guy makes a Kli, here, the guy didn't make the Kli, he supplied you with a Kli, but he didn't supply it Betoras Kli, Betoras container, but it's only bottled to the snapple. The second that a Jew decides to keep it, it's Asiya Biyad Yisrael. And even if a guy made bottles, it wasn't Dafka made for the snapple, which today it is. Even here, Ramosha says, I would be Mekel. Nowadays, you never have that. They're all made in the factory Dafka for this liquid, and therefore Ramosha says, no need to, no need to talk them. Amazing creativity uh, of a posek regarding Tzitzvilas Kalim. So you have the Machlok between Rashi and the Ramban and Rav Moshe. Okay. Vaiter. Second half of the Parsha is all about B'nei Gadam B'nei Ruvain. B'nei Gadam B'nei Ruvain, Paraglam and Beis, Umikne Rav Hayil B'nei Gadam B'nei Ruvain, Atsum They had a tremendous amount of Mikne and Moshe Rabbeinu gets very upset. Very upset, very angry at them. He gives them a very long discussion, rebuke. Hashem, <coughs> Israel. Moshe says, Hashem got angry and you're doing the same thing. And finally at the end, they tell Moshe, right, where does Moshe's speech go from? 
Moshe says, Vayomer Moshe, from Pasuk Vav, all the way through Pasuk Tesvav. Vav through Tesvav, 11 Sukkim. And finally they say, Moshe, Moshe, We're going to build things for our families. We're going we're gonna to go. We're going to go first. We're going to go, make sure they're all settled, and then come back. We won't come back. Says the Yam Simcha. Source number eight. Rabbi Freed. After they heard the Tochacha, we're going to go. Moshe says, then, if you do this, what's after, from, from, uh, from Revi, if you do this, then wonderful, if you follow exactly what I said, and then what does he add? This land will be an achuza for you in front of Hashem. Then you'll get this land as an achuza. Says the Arachayim HaKadosh. The Yom Simcha quotes it. Line 8. Hivticha, Moshe then promised them, Shebazeh tiskayim biyadam aras la'achuza, Veloti and exelos mehem. If you follow them, if you follow B'nai Yisrael and do exactly what you're supposed to do, then you will always have, then you will have this land and nobody will take it from you. That's what the Arachayim HaKadosh says. Question one, ask the Yam Simcha, how does the Arachayim HaKadosh know this? How did Moshe know this? That if they would go, then they would never get the land taken from them. What, it was all based purely on Nevuah? Ulechar Yish Lohav in line 11, Ma'amakar Arachayim HaKadosh, the Moshe Rabbeinu, if Ticha Mibracha, Shlodin Zelos Mehem. First of all, how does the Arachayim HaKadosh know that that's the pshat of Moshe's words? He says, this should be an anachla for you. So the Arachayim says, oh, he must be giving them a bracha that will never be stolen. And also, what, what, is it, what does that mean? Maybe just telling them, you'll live here. Stop, he's giving them a bracha. Why, they, why does the Archaim interpret Moshe Rabbeinu's words as giving them a bracha? Question. Question one. Question two. B'nei Kodem Ruvain knew exactly what their answer was. They were going to say, no, 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 Moshe, we know. We were never suggesting otherwise. Why did they let Moshe talk for so long? Eleven psukim berating them, screaming at them, rebuking them. Well, Moshe was okay. They, 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 maybe it was just their They didn't want to interrupt him. But maybe he wouldn't have had to say his own rebuke because they they were going to say what he wanted them to hear. So what exactly what they want? They were going to say what he wanted to hear. So why didn't they interrupt him earlier? Now it says the Yam Simcha. Again, questions. How did the Archaim HaKadosh know that that Pasuk is the Pasuk of Pasuk HaBez is a bracha? And number two, why did they interrupt him earlier? The Medrash says at the beginning of Devarim, Eila HaDevarim, Rabbanan Amrim, Amrlo HaKadosh Baruch Hu LeMoshe, Ha'ol V'Kiblu Aleyhen Tochachteich, Tzarich HaTolavarchan. Beginning of Devarim, Moshe Rabbeinu is giving rebuke to Klai Yisrael, right? Every word there is a reference to a, 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 a sin that they did. Hashem says to Moshe, you rebuke them, now you gotta bless them. Miyar chazir obirchan, minayin, shenem rashem lokechem, hirbaeschem. Minayin shekol makabo tochacha zocha labracha. How do we know that anybody who accepts tochacha will be zocha to a bracha? Kashlomo says, ulamochichim yinam. To those who rebuke, yinam, it will be sweet, va'alehem tavo berchastov. And on them who accept the rebuke, they will get a bracha. 
What does the Medjish mean? Whenever we give a brach a tochacha to someone, whenever we rebuke somebody and we point out something negative, we have to be mavarechem. If a child, we tell a child, we give them a rebuke, but I know you're going to do this and it's going to be awesome and I know you can do this and I believe in you. Line 8, In the middle of Dvarim, it says that bracha. That's what the Medrash is saying, because every tochacha has to be accompanied with a bracha. That's what's going on here. Moshe Rabbeinu, but they, they didn't interrupt him. Why? Because they knew if they accept this tochacha, even if they would have said otherwise, but they knew if they accept it, the bracha is coming. Where's the bracha? That's the Arachayim HaKadosh. Where's the bracha? It's got to be Pasach HaVeiz. How does he know that's a bracha? Because they listen to the Tochacha. So it must be somewhere in Moshe's words following is a bracha. That's the bracha. That's the Yam Simcha giving pshat to the Arachayim HaKadosh. There was Zohar to a bracha from Moshe Rabbeinu. Then he quotes afterwards a story. It's a well-known story. At least we'll make it well known now if you've never heard of it. He goes two stories. We're just going to quote the second one. Turn over the page for a minute. Source number nine, line seven. When the Sfasemes was a little boy, he was learning all night. He learned all night with his Chavrusa. And after he learned all night, and he went to sleep in the morning, maybe after, a little before Minyan, or maybe after he davened. And then when his grandfather, Chalushi Arim, the first Gareb, he saw him in the morning. He come up And he didn't get up early. Right, because he only had got to sleep at five in the morning, so he slept from five to seven. And the and the the saw him that he didn't get up at six; he only got up at seven. He started screaming at him, "How could he get up so late? How do you expect to be a great rebbe if you get up so late? If you sleep all day?" He did. He just listened to to the zeda. He didn't say a word, Rebbe. I was up all night learning. I just went to sleep two hours ago. He didn't say it. He just listened. Okay, thank you, thank you, thank you. And when his friends saw him, Tamal Shikazi says, why, why didn't you tell him? Why didn't you tell him? Why didn't you tell him? He just went to sleep in that two hours ago and that's why he didn't get up early. The Sfasema says, I'm going to stop, I'm, gonna, I'm getting mustard from my Zayda. I'm going to stop him in the middle so he doesn't give me the mustard? No! I want to hear it. Oh, the mustard And he says, where's the Raya? Our Parsha. Moshe says, how dare you? Was, no, 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 we're going. We're not, we're not just going to stay, we're going with you. But they didn't say it. Says the, says the Sfasemeth, that's why I didn't say a word. I didn't say a word because if you get Moshe Rabbeinu to talk to you, if you get if you get Musar from, you know, they say that people used to send Shilohs to the rugged shover, even though the rugged shover was sharp like 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 uh, like, an, like an iron. Like, 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 it's very sharp. And if you didn't ask Akasha on the ball, he berated you, boom, and he insulted you. How could he ask such Akasha? But that's Halavai, which I'd love to just let, let the Raga Shavar talk to me. Anything from the Raga Shavar. So it says it's Fasemis, anything from the Chushi Arim, but they go to Bnei Ruvain say anything from Moshe Rabbein. Okay, two final thoughts. One on the Parsha, and one on Inyana Dioma. If you look at the last Pasuk in the Parsha, last Pasuk in the Parsha, it's talking about uh, Ruve Gad and Menashe, Vinovach Halach, Vayilkodes Kinasves Binoseha, Novach went, Novach from Menashe went and captured Kinas and its suburbs, Vayikra la Novach Bishmo. And Novach called the city Novach because he wanted a 
He wanted everybody to remember his name. If you look in on the word law, there's a special truck. Special truck on the word law. A special truck. And if you look at Rashi, Rashi tells us that law ain't no mapike. Right? There's no mapike. It should be vayikra law. Right, where is the why is it no mapike? For ECB Moshe Darshan, Because the name didn't last. Novach on the city didn't last. that's why it's soft. Shemamos Medrashokamo low. It's as if you can read it, it's it's not lo. It's like you can read it like low. Hey and Aleph can be Mishalif. And that's why it's like Vikra Lo. It wasn't. It was Novach didn't last. Says Rav Shimshim Rafal Hirsch. Maybe the message here is if we're so worried about our posterity and we're trying to f- uh, create physical remembrances of ourselves, statues and cities, that's not what's going to last eternally. Torah and Mice and Tovim are going to last eternally. That's it. On which Medrash Rabbos remarks, says in Source 10, Novak's intention to immortalize himself thereby was not achieved. Does this perhaps express a slight reprehension of such procedure to found a memorial in bricks and stone to immortalize oneself? An earthly immortalization which the true Jew should seek and follow solely through the deeds of spiritual and moral faithfulness. Torah, Maisim, Tovim. This does not mean if somebody gives staka, staka is a mitzvah, and if somebody wants some recognition, okay, that's that's not what the refresh is talking about. If somebody wants to, gives a $10 million and wants his name on a building, even $1 million, wants his name on the wall, that's, that's in the context of a mitzvah. Novak's not doing talking about that here. Novak Mashri Dafka wanted the name for his own uh, Gashmi immortalization, immortalization. That does not last. That does not last. Torah Maisatovim is what lasts. As we get into the last thought of the evening, as we start these three weeks, we started off with the thought of the Binyan Shlomo. Let's end off with the thought of the Yagel Torah, quoting Rav Shmuel Mislanim, in the name of the Tzadikim. Yemei Sarim, as we know, it's 21 days, three weeks. The three weeks, the Pasuk calls it, Yimei HaMetzarim is a Pasuk in, in, uh, in Eicha, and he quotes, Kamo, Yimei Bein HaMetzarim, Yimei HaChan Eliyavim Narayim. The Yimei HaMetzarim is a test run. It's a rough draft for the Yamim Narayim, the 21 days from Rosh Hashanah through Hoshana Rabbah. What does a painter do? He wants to do a picture. First, he has a rough draft. He he does it in pencil. He paints the. He makes the beautiful piece. Sketches it. He sketches it, and once he sketches it, and then afterwards he can put the colors on. He says the twenty-one days of the three weeks is the sketch. It's the pencil for the Yamim No Rhyme. Now we're mourning for the national base of Mikdash. Then we're going to mourn for the personal base of Mikdash. For the Vasuli Mikdash for Shachanti Besocham. Ish Ish Kinigilavavo Bamemushukamakshavosavarayanosav. And then it's going to go hope, hopefully from Chuba Biyira in these days to Chuba Meave in those days. Anilu Dodi Vidodi Li as we get into Elul. But that's that's these three weeks. Three weeks, these 21 days, is a test run. It's a test run to, as we get into the three weeks that are going up until, up until the Yavim Naram. Venira, ki gimel shvuas elu, turning over to source 12. Mechasim al ha'ariz gimel ha'moados, and really hidden in these three weeks are the three moadim that we have three weeks of. Shvuas is not a whole week, but you have tashlumin for a week. So he's had the first week is Pesach, the second week is Shvuas, third week Sukkis and Shvuas. 
the ha'ar is hidden in them, it's just covered with darkness, it's covered with tragedy, and we have to try to uncover it. And finally, Rabbi Yosef Bechemya ends off tonight and says, where does the Lashon Yimei HaMetzarim come? Pasuk and Eicha. Rashi on Eicha says, a Metzar is a high wall. It's as if there are two high walls and you have to squeeze in between two high walls. Vein makum lanus. That's called Rothei Sigua Vein HaMetzarim. That's what it means. So it says Rabbi Yosef Nechemya, Nira, Alpia Yadua, Ki Bechol Eis Nitnu Yisrael Gavim Lumakim Lachayim Lumartim. It says Rabbi Yosef Nechemya, in all, many, many, most generations... Our, the nations around us torture us and hurt us. And as they torture us and as they hurt us, so then we, we expand and we do better with it. Ah, im, even, and we survive. Ah, im, but once in a while, the enemies don't make us, don't push on us, don't make us downtrodden, but they lift us up. And they make us princes. That many times when they take us to the top and we don't feel different and we assimilate. That's called Trofehi Sigua. All the road from our Masigas, between the top wall, the high points. Not just Rashi's the Pashas, but says Rabbi Yosem you can also look at it as it's been very bad also when we have high points. Obviously, the first first part is true when we're downtrodden, but the second part also. When it starts off loving us, that type of assimilation that's what leads to our downfall as well. As Rachman al-Islam, we have in our day and age, right? We have the more freedom of religion that we've ever had in the history of the Jewish people post the Churban. Rachman al-Islam, we have more Jews marrying Goyim today than we've ever had. We have more Jews farther from Torah than we've ever had Rachman al-Islam. And therefore, there is what to mourn for. In the times when we were physically decimated and in the times when we weren't physically decimated, in all those times, we know that we need, we need, we need the Beis HaMikdash back, we need the Geula, and we really, with all our hearts, have to daven so much to be able to get back, all Jews, to Yerushalayim and to HaKadosh Baruch Hu.